Dancing in the front yard night and day And the neighbors walk by and this is what they say Are these Christmas jammies? They are Christmas jammies. This is the experience of a lifetime. I don't get it. The pop culture get off my lawn cast. Featuring the opening money musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment or relevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. Yes, that's it. I had to check my notes. And I'm joined, as always, by this guy. I am Noah Tarno of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. Hello, Bill. So um, let's just get right into it, Noah, because we got a real humdinger of a uh, of a show this week. Uh-huh. A humdinger. That's oh, it's real hot stuff here. This is this is cutting yeah. cutting it uh, right on the, the the edge, the bleeding edge of content of, oh, oh, of culture. Only six years old, although they seem to be, you know, having a bit of a I don't want to say resurgence now, but that's part of their quote unquote genius is they they keep themselves relevant, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, the consistency, banging the, the drumbeat of, of content all the time. And I think these these people, yeah, they talk about it all the time. We are uh, describing uh, in detail today the Holderness family. Um, you may be familiar with them from their 2015 jam, a song called Christmas Jammies. I thought it was 2014. 14, sorry, 2014. I am being pedantic. That was a pun song that was set to the tune of Miami by Mr. William Smith, Willard Smith, I believe his name is, Willard Smith of yeah. Of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So the Holderness family is a YouTube channel comprised of a a four-person family, a quadpartite family. They feature, I believe it's daily, Noah, daily or nigh-daily song parodies uh, written and performed by the four members of the family. I would say the parents write them in the four family members uh, the, uh, the kids are ex- the kids are accessories really and the dad yeah. seems to do like 80 percent of it i mean the mom oh, yeah. is like a supporting character it seems to be all about the dad not all about the dad but mostly about the dad yeah i think you can tell where the dad's uh, ego comes into this believe me we'll, we'll we'll chop it up we'll get into it so you got you got dad his name is pen i said pen noah his name is pen with two ends right and the son's name is pen too pen charles like because as normal human beings do you name I your son don't make fun of people's names I'm whatever fun it's of, a name it's a yeah. fucking we're gonna get into this wasp bullshit believe me i got a lot of opinions on this i i know you have a lot of opinions so he is please, a continue. he's a former sports journalist uh he worked for espn he worked for local uh, affiliate raleigh of, of i believe it was cbs in raleigh nbc affiliate whatever the mother is named kim deal no, Kim Deal. I forget. Uh, Kim, uh, Kim, Kim Deal was the bassist for the. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. Kim Deal was I, the bassist for the Pixies. Yes. Check myself. That yeah. would be if these videos start Kim Deal <laughs> with the Pixies. That'd be a lot more interesting. She was a television presenter um, out of originally out of Palm Beach. I believe she worked on Inside Edition, so uh, she calls herself, or called herself in her professional days, a journalist. I don't believe that term is correct. I believe a presenter, as the English, the British present uh, call it, would be more appropriate. But that's just me. So, And they have two kids who are under the age of 10, maybe even a little further under the age of 10. You have the son, Penn Charles, who's younger, and Lola, the older daughter. They are based out of a Raleigh suburb. I didn't get which one in particular. They might actually keep that uh, secret. I think if they're being semi-responsible, you would not blast every single detail about where you can find them <laughs> and kidnap their children in a decal murder van. Uh, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that'd be a bad thing to do. And in a story that is becoming more and more uh, commonplace, because we keep saying it on this show, the two adults who are both media professionals, probably making a fair amount of coin, quit going jobs with media enterprises to do this. Much like Ryan's... Yes. 
sort of. Well, they, it was they wanted to do some kind of video production thing, and then the Christmas jammies, which was supposedly a Christmas card, but don't fool yourselves, they were hoping it would get noticed. Oh yeah, took yeah. off. Were they really intending to make themselves stars, or were they intending to work on other people's stuff? I don't think it hurts, and I think that well, they do have um, a consultancy, or at least their consultancy is still an extant enterprise. I couldn't tell you how busy it is or how how much business it does. I think that this channel is what is the lion's share of their presence. The Ryan's World people, you know, to me, is it's the most recent version of this that yeah. we tackled. You know, mom and dad became a media enterprise and they bought a studio and they hosted this stuff themselves and they had employees and, and I'm, I don't think the Holderness family is quite to that level, but I think that they have uh, designs on being something big. But look, they're plenty big themselves. You know, I'm, I wouldn't exactly call their YouTube channel a world beater, but my guess is you have heard uh, of the viral successes. So it's touched you in some small way, whether it's Christmas jammies. Number two was uh, Baby Got Class, which is a pun yeah. song to the tune of uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot's yeah. Baby I, I like big bus and I cannot lie. And they're God. dancing around in a school bus. Yeah. Jesus, just remove all my bones and throw me on the side of the road. Anyway, <laughs> so they, their pun songs keep going on all about that bass, which is the takeoff yeah, of yeah, yes. Megan Trainer. Where is my yeah. phone? Which is uh, uh, out here all alone. No, I forget. The one from um, uh, Frozen. It's a gym. Yeah, and they do happy, I'm, you know, because I'm your daddy. It's uh, very domestic stuff. And, of course, now they're big into quarantine stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, instead of Bless the Rains Down in Africa, it's like hard to teach algebra. Penn did a whole uh, medley of if sitcom themes were about quarantine, and half of them aren't sitcoms. The Love Boat was not a sitcom. And similar one for Disney songs and Broadway songs. So, so Noah, what do you, you seem like you're taking it over. What do you think of these, uh, what do you think of these Sorry, fine fellows? No, go ahead, man. Go for it. I don't think I hate this as much as you do. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of wonder if this falls in the category, things we talk about a lot on the show, of things that, like, I have no use for this, but I can't can't begin to get worked up about it because falls into the category of fine enjoy yourselves no skin off my back but i wouldn't quite go that far because i think there are some actual problems with this and the thing that most came to mind the topic we talked about which has quickly become our lodestar for the worst thing in the world even more so than jimmy fallon is ryan's world i mean you mentioned ryan's world and Ryan's World, the the average quote unquote family that made videos that went viral and now have become an industry. But I think the Holderness family is much better than Ryan's World in several metrics. I describe the Holderness family as bland but competent. They have, I mean, the kids, I can't really tell. I hope the kids are having fun. You know, people rag on them for like dragging the kids unwillingly into their silliness. I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. I don't know these kids. I don't know this family. As a kid, I would have been fucking delighted if my parents were having a great time on camera and putting me on camera and throwing me out there to make me semi-famous. That was my goddamn dream as a kid. The parents are bland but likable. They have some talent. The videos are very competently made. The parodies, while facile, they are much better than most parodies I've seen on YouTube. I wouldn't even say the songs are well-written, but at least there's some care taken to that. The rhymes work. Some of the songs are actually well done. His parody of Down Under by Men at Work, that is something about his wife eating a healthy diet. He does the whole thing a cappella, like multi-tracked. 
it's not splitting the musical atom in its originality, but it's very competently done. The videos are of a high quality. And again, they seem like bland but likable people. First of all, you and I talked about this before we got on camera. The mom, she's got a fun spark to her, which is pretty much what I look for in every woman I've ever tried to date. It's very appealing, and he seems like a goofball, but I wouldn't mind, you know, having a conversation with him at a party, and he's a stunningly good-looking man himself. I want to say this is fine. On the other hand, they are pampered white people talking about a pampered white life, and do we need much more of this? Also, the parodies, while they're better than most YouTube, that's not saying a lot. Not even a patch on Weird Al Yankovic. Like I say, competent. So if people like these okay, I mean... It's still more pampered white people complaining about stupid problems. Oh, it's... My, the husband doesn't clean up. Oh, it's bedtime and no one's feeling sexy. And, you know, they do Thriller as libido killer. Kids kids love to hear about that, by the way. That's a yeah, killer well, among the eight-year-old set. These are more for adults and kids. Obviously. And then I've read some YouTube comments. People like, they're literally getting us through the quarantine. We owe them everything. Like, geez, how low are your standards? Uh, but again, if it makes people happy, okay. I, I mean, it's really cliche, not just white people first world problems that the world doesn't need more complaining about even if it's lighthearted complaining but also just that the topics are you know these cliches of like dad doesn't pull his weight around the house oh um so that that's could be a little pernicious perpetuating these facile stupid stereotypes of eh, mom does it all dad's just horny and blah 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 and he he loves his kids but he's wacky here's the thing maybe if i did meet them i'd hate them maybe it's all calculated i kind of wonder if you peel beneath the surface if it's all a ruse they try to be quote-unquote real and if you watch the end of every video like when the song stops they start laughing and it's almost like an outtake this is well, something i talk about all the time this is the lowering of standard it's competent but it's very mediocre so if this becomes like a great parody then we fucking suck right like <laughs> it's okay but like it doesn't deserve to be held up as art or great comedy like again if they get the mark twain prize i mean i take these guys certainly over ryan's world certainly over smosh and over a lot of the other idiots we've looked at and they're more professional and they offer more than someone like markiplier or whatever we can do better as a society than beautiful people competently white person rapping about picking up their laundry. Yeah, you know, I can agree with everything you said. I've, you almost put it exactly as I would say it, too. Um, I'm, I'm not going to repeat anything that you just said because I think... Thank you. you, you <laughs> I think you phrased it perfectly, but the overwhelming white Christian suburban blandness of it. I only read a few sources of online hate for this. As you would expect, something that is this corny and cornball generates snarkiness online, and anybody would have this coming to them. But I read a piece on... Um, Deadspin and I read a piece on Jezebel about this and they were really dragging these people saying fuck this. Yeah, we, but those those pieces were not even-handed at all. I mean, no, no, I don't I, think they, they claim to be even-handed. They were they were rage. They were at a rage. Yeah, they were designed to be snark pieces. It was that's all. Yeah, have them like look at their dumb faces. I mean, fine, you know, you have every right to complain about them. You have a you're, but that's not careful criticism. The, the whole thing about being in Raleigh and and which I spent a couple of years in Raleigh. Raleigh is, a, I think Raleigh's a great city. Love the state of North Carolina. Uh, I people who were there were great. I, I was there twenty years ago, but. I don't think the character has changed all that much in spite of uh, a couple of successive Republican regimes that were pretty um, draconian uh, and revanchist. And, you know, even in spite of the, um, you know, the bathroom bill and all that horseshit they were trying to cram through the uh, state legislature in Raleigh. I think that the character of the people, like I did a fair amount of time in the suburbs. And I, I know who lives there. 
and 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 I think that the the environment is pleasant enough to live in. That's where you you generate stuff like this. If there's enough comfort, material comfort in an American suburb, you do get stuff like this. I do think that they're honest. I these people are coming at you with something that I think you're right is prima facie. They, they, this really is what it seems to look like. As goofy as it is, as corny as it is, I don't think that there's any layers to it. It just has to do with the idea, like you're saying, corny white people talking about suburban or middle class issues that are just so normalized into this must be what everyone and deals it's a little with. creepy the i hate this term but that a lot of them are like black songs and they're dancing around like pretending to yeah. be black people it's there's just, that yeah that adds to the discomfort some yeah. of the some of the hate that i i saw levied is online was that sanitizing black songs you know where people can't handle black songs so turn them into corny raps for white people but i i can't comment on that as much as i might like to i think that's a date might be a little bit of a danger zone this is one of the things i found when i was making films right i thought i could make plenty of you know jerk off movies about people in brooklyn apartments talking about pop culture or going out and getting a, a you know a shake with bourbon <laughs> in it or something like that you know something that was it and i always thought this seems like a waste of time a little bit as as competently done as the stuff i was a participant in was was great but i always thought there's a viewpoint here that's not being recognized because this is choking the people who get to make art are the ones who decide what it says you know like they're choking the right. viewpoint out and it's like you could say oh everybody should get the chance to make the art they want you know no one should uh be forced to abridge themselves or or you know be silent and it's like, well, I totally agree with that. But the reality is, is that unless people like me said, I'm going to put faces that don't look like mine and cultures that aren't mine in my movies, chances are they weren't going to be represented. They weren't going to get there because there were no avenues for people who did not look like me and come from my background. Right. And, and you know, I actually tried to do something about that by making movies about things that I, were, I, weren't com- I wasn't comfortable with, but trying to figure out what they meant about, you know, what they meant and, you know, and listen to other people and tell their stories, be a conduit for things. So that's a long way of saying that I think the Holderness family, as well-intended as they are, becomes the sort of cotton batting that just fills the market. Yeah. And there's no yeah. there's no need for other voices if there's 500,000 of these people. Not only is there yeah. no need for other voices, there's no way, there's no foothold. Yeah. Because this is what YouTube wants to show. YouTube is, yeah. is going to show this as opposed to, you know, a, a black family or a Hispanic family or something that is jagged and irregular. And or sh- someone and sh- talking about real problems yeah. and not... Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever. They, they're not saying these are real problems. No. They're, they're, they're not saying these are existential threats. And we don't know what they talk about in their private lives. Yeah. For all we know, and, Kim Holderness spends a lot of time volunteering at a homeless shelter. I, I don't want to judge her unfairly. Yeah, but, and I'm, I'm not saying that the Holderness family and or the Holderness family channel is responsible for this climate or is is maybe even contributing to it. I'm saying it's not their fault. It's just, it's to me, it's a symptom of a yeah. larger issue with entertainment where it, it default becomes this. And no matter how many different venues we have, and we are, we have so many fucking venues to show stuff on now, we always wind up coming up with this, the, the white family doing yeah. corny shit, you know, showing some sort of middle class life as an, as, as an avatar of what everyone either should be or is doing, regardless of whether or not you are that or can do those things. Look, as much as I came from a, a lower middle class white family out in a white suburb, my family didn't resemble this at all. And I, you know, if we're going to get to this question, you know, in a couple of segments but it's like i would not have recognized this personally i would have been weirded out by all this fucking wasp shit by a dad named pen you know <laughs> yeah. like, like this stuff would, would have struck me as alien 
as, uh, you know, Tuvan throat singers in Siberia. Like, I have no idea where this shit comes from. And I don't know, you know, how do you even get in there? And do I? Well, no, it would. But that's your point. It wouldn't have struck you as alien because you saw this shit on TV all the time. Yeah. But no, it's alien to my experience. As much as I saw it on TV, it would have put me off because it's like, this is not what families look like. This is not what real. This is not what a house looks like. A house doesn't look like two car garage, you know, with sconces on the front and all that shit. A house looks like the piece of shit I grew up in out on Long Island. It's like, that's what a house looks like. Not this vinyl siding trimmed nightmare out somewhere in Cary, North Carolina. Each day is more like a creepy dream from a movie scene. All day at home with my family. Can't see anyone. Bill, why is this popular? Why have, I mean, six years now. Why, why did it go viral initially? Why do people care? Why are people saying you're getting us through quarantine? Why do people like this? What does this do for people? Now, I I say this honestly with affection. I I did not like this channel. I mean, I hated it, but I don't think it was bad. And I I subscribe to the same reasons you just said about giving it a lot of leeway and a lot of slack, right? It's popular because it's it's safe. It's sanded down. It's tanned. It's a little dermabrazed and Botoxed. You know, the mom, I'm sure, has had a little work being in a competitive, you know, suburb of of, of an affluent American middle market city. It's two-car garage. Christian North Carolina suburbanity peddled back to people who you know, there's a good chance that the, the, they, they get scared of black music until their kids become of age where that's what, <laughs> that's what they listen to when they turn 12, 13. They, then they, they get scared of black music. Yeah, until they listen to it when they're 13, 14 years old and then that's what their taste is because it was the other from the Christian suburb. Again, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. There's nothing bad about it being safe, sanded down, tanned, bleached, whatever. Those, what are those tooth whitening trays, Noah? Those fucking things? It's like it's obvious that mom and dad love those things and that's always a sign of weirdness to me like anytime i see someone with like white 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 teeth i always think i don't know who this person is like what it would take for me to become a person with bleached teeth straight bleached teeth (laughs) is like a completely different like that i might as well become i I might as well train to either become an ultra marathoner or an astronaut because i just don't know how i (laughs) get to that so that's why i'd love you as an astronaut would be great (laughs) but that's why i think it's popular but why why do you think it's popular you know before we started recording we were talking about you know as everyone does now the state of the world and when when is the world gonna quote-unquote get back to normal and one of the topics was uh, how people are just so desperate to not only you know go back to work or have their kids go back to school but to embrace the extremes of the conspicuous consumption that arguably got us where we are today an example you inevitably bring up is disney and disney world and how people want to go to back to disney world right now yeah yeah which seems lunacy to us Disney World is such an exp- such an all-consuming, expensive experience. Like, fine, you can go back to Disney World in a month, maybe. Distancing and all that, it will be a compromised experience. I think the point is that just people are so, they're feeling so unmoored and so desperate to get back to the comfortable, quote-unquote, suburban, conspicuous consumption American life that has been forced down our throats for decades, that is the only thing that makes any sense to us. I mean, even the complaining about dad doesn't do enough and algebra's hard and all this stuff, it is this mental refuge for Americans. And if you take it away from us or threaten to take it away from us, we lose all sense of perspective. And the Holderness family enforced that. You could argue that that's how we got where we are now. And that's why people are pitching a fake constitutional fit 
over having to enter Walmart without a mask because my comfort and my feeling completely comfortable is the only thing that matters is an existential right. If Walmart wants you to wear a fucking mask, you either wear the mask or you go the fuck home. They, or not consciously, but, but they, 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 they reinforce it. I understand what you it's, mean. Right. It is comforting. Yeah. It is a world that we all consciously or unconsciously want to be in. And the fact that they're beautiful and the fact that their their home is quote unquote average and the fact that uh, their problems, small bore problems, is very comforting. This is the world we want. This is the world we're raised to think makes sense. And I'd be curious to see if they're having a spike in popularity now. I guess we didn't pick up on that because quarantine. You know, I, I take this completely unscientific one YouTube comment. Oh, my God. We owe the Holdernesses such a thank you because they are literally getting us through this quarantine. Literally. Well, I, I don't doubt that the person who wrote that comment honestly feels that. But I see how, you know, this is the world people want. Like, I'd fucking love to be married to a hot woman who seems like a decent mom and has a great sense of humor. Why wouldn't I live in a comfortable house and quarantine is more about boredom than society collapsing? Th this you know? looks like to me, if, if they had CrossFit back in 1961, that's what it would look like. <laughs> I like big buses, I cannot lie. Some other parents may deny. Noah, think back to a time when you were a hungry, hungry kid on camera or wanted to be on camera. Would you have liked this? No. Part of what I sort of like about it now this idea that there's a little part of me that wants this kind of domesticity i mean now i'm doubting myself because as a child i did have this fantasy of like happy suburban life so maybe as like a, a 15 year old i'd like it in my 20s i'd have no use for it what if the the if you were one of the kids i'm saying take the space not just as a watcher but an, as an aspiring person thinking this could be my brand too if only i had didn't have such crappy parents oh no i said that before i i love this yeah I mean, first of all, my parents have a sense of humor, but they would never do this no, in a zillion no, years. No, no, no. <laughs> I imagine your parents even less. That's why when people are like, oh, they're exploiting their kids. Like, I don't know. I would have loved this, man. It would have been <laughs> well, all the kids it. always want to do it. Whether or not kids don't know what child labor laws are. That's why it's easy to exploit them because you can get a kid to agree to anything for God's sake. You know? Yeah, no, I don't I don't know behind the scenes if they're like, all right, Lola, you have to smile for the camera. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. Or maybe the kid's like, yay, we're filming something. This is fun, you know? All right, here's the script for today. I think, put, I think. Put your cigarette out, kids. Here's your script for today. You got to play <laughs> thrilled and you got to play sad and get on your marks yeah. and we'll be ready to do this. I mean, uh, maybe or maybe they are having fun. They look like they're having fun. Uh, you know, and it's dad does most of the work. It's not like the kids sitting there forced to do editing on his on his iMac or whatever. So <laughs> iMac, does anyone still have an iMac? They make the eight year old kid edit the stuff. That's how. That's how. I don't know. Or like, uh, yeah. Are they? Do they do live appearances? Uh, no, I don't think they do live appearances. I would not have liked this. Well, I mean, I do would not like the songs they put out because I would have. You know, it's it's cringeworthy. The problem is, I did try to listen to a bunch of this, and I got about. I would say 35 seconds to every one of these songs, and I just, I wilted. I had to hold my head in my hands. Just because. Oh, I didn't finish a single. No, that's not true, because I saw, I finished a couple, but I was doing other stuff at the time. Yeah, I just don't know, like, how willing I would be as a kid to listen to this garbage, um, just because it sounds so abhorrent. I mean, n naturally, this is not for us. It is for, like, six-year-olds who just 
much like the trolls, all they do is they, they see the blobs on the screen, they dance around in a circle, they fall over. They don't care where it comes from. They don't care what it says. It's just a fun. I think these are for adults. I think these Partially are for, for adults, but I think that they're also... Dumb, insecure adults. They're so toothless. It's like the songs are so yeah. goofy and silly that, like, you know, they put the kids in the videos and saying, oh, you know, this kid um, is taking hip-hop dance classes and, and the daughter did this. And it's, you know, it's very simple. It's almost like a refrigerator magnets, you know, of saying, here's where... Here's where our family is at this week. And it's as much about their their lives to say these are these are kids who are just being children in an American suburb as it is, you know, a song playing on two levels, two layers for adults to listen to. Not that there isn't that content, but I think at its heart, it's safe for kids first and foremost. I think that's what they're going for. I was so cynical as a kid and I just loved, you know, G.I. Joe, people shooting at each other, Transformers, all that stuff had to be had some some element of violence for me to get to get uh, to get on with it. I got to push back more. These are not for kids. So much of the uh, dad doesn't pick up or one i didn't like is they did watch me whip watch me nene you know the mom singing about my sharda nene like the stereotype like oh mommy's had a rough day she's got to have some wine that always bothers me this joke like ah, ha, ha, life's hard so we're all alcoholics you know <laughs> uh as as someone who's very cynical about alcohol culture that that kind of touches the nerve with me because you know i'm all about that base is the success as it were of the holderness family a sign of the apocalypse no i think it's a sign of youtube you know it's it, and, uh, it's youtube a sign of the apocalypse uh, i mean we're circling that i don't know if we're ever going to get i i think the mosaic we're doing by doing these individual episodes probably says more than just one gigantic statement yes. a screed that we write uh, a, a jeremy ad but um no i mean this is a state of affairs where you can drop out of a successful media career as we've seen a few cases here so far. Some of these YouTubers are amateurs. You know, Mr. Beast, I don't think, was, you know, working at, at a six-figure. He wasn't in the C-suite at some banking company. Mr. Beast was just some kid in the suburb who came up with a weird channel and grew it and then now is a millionaire. These people were entrenched professionals in some sort of media enterprise. They dropped out of that life, which is a gamble. And the, the dude, the, the dad from Ryan's World was the same thing. Like, that guy had a, a major career going. I think both parents, the mother was a teacher and the dad did something in either media or management and they dropped out as a gamble to focus on this shit full time it's not an apocalypse but to me the fact that that is now a growing class in american employment is a quote-unquote sign of the apocalypse that, that i can't even fathom the fact that when so many people are having trouble getting jobs period uh, and you know the gig economy is being what it is and there's so much insolvency deprivation that people can cut a job out that made probably close to a hundred thousand dollars a year and get a bigger job doing something that they just essentially they called a shot and they decided to make goofy songs that either you or yeah. me you or me would say you know in our cynical cities where we come from it's like this is not good art i was around people i know a lot of people who made good art and that's not good art and yet it's like these people are you know they're making a million dollars a year because they're not making good art yet somehow it was it was it was a success that's that's the weird part about all this and this is not the last time we're going to say this because it's going to keep coming up but not a literal apocalypse just sort of like an american arts landscape apocalypse if that makes any sense uh, yeah, especially if, as we always say, you know, if they win the Mark Twain prize and this becomes considered art. Uh, on the other hand, again, I compare it to a lot of YouTube videos, even stuff like Mr. Beast, it's a lot more competently made. And yes, the parody songs are, I mean, I remember watching a few parodies for some quiz thing a few years ago and they were awful. These guys were so popular who were writing Weird Al type songs and, and they were doing what we talked about last time with Eric Andre, the, um, first pass comedy. You know, the Holdernesses don't do that. They actually write these songs. That's not so much a sign of the apocalypse. I think it's a sign of the apocalypse in that the comforting suburban lifestyle becomes 
the be-all, end-all. The world is breaking down when people can't embrace, when people can't go to Disney World whenever they want, when people can't walk into a Walmart wearing whatever piece of shit clothes they want and not wearing a mask, when people consider, you know, patriotism to be, you know, pitching a fit and whining and crying. The right to infringe on other people's civil liberties by the fact that you're a white Christian suburbanite and they're trans right. or gay. I'm not saying that's who these people are. I'm just saying it's like I, I immediately connect those dots to this sort of movement, to this sort of Raleigh, North Carolina-based thing, to that level of exclusion, yeah. you know? They might not believe in that, but they are avatars of that. Like, I am okay with these people being celebrities. I feel like they have something that even Mr. Beast, for all his somewhat cleverness and charitableness, he's such a fucking dope-looking guy with no star power. No charisma, uh, nothing. Yeah, Belle, Delphine, Smosh, all these people are just idiot funny. The Holdernesses are at least the funniest people at the dinner party. I mean, I take the Holdernesses over Jimmy Fallon. The Holdernesses seem more polished to me than Jimmy Fallon. Our parents are always trying to teach us things. This time, what life was like when we were kids in the 80s. So we're going to be taking away technology, screens, our shows. So they can experience what it was like during the glory days. Noah, this is probably an obvious question, self-evident, but are you, are you jealous of them at all? As I said, I would have loved to have had something like this when I was a kid. I would love my stupid ideas to be celebrated. I would love to be married to someone who on the surface seems like Kim Holderness. My dream relationship is someone who can be wacky and play games with me and laugh and silly. Sure, I'm jealous. Why not? I wish I looked like Penn Holderness. That would be sweet. Yeah, he, he is kind of that. Yeah, he looks a little bit like a Winklevoss. You know, there is, like I said, that whole wasp thing is almost impossible to turn off. And it looks like he steers right into it. What did you say? Someone called him a Goy John Stewart. Goy John Stewart. Yeah. But it's just his look. He doesn't. They, I mean, no, he's he not, not a fraction of the of the brain power well, and or uh, charisma of John Stewart. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to what I led with at the top. I'm not jealous of their fame. Um, if I was known for this, if, if I had become known for this, I don't know how I'd, I'd have to deal with that somehow. I'd have to, have to do the rationale. I'd have to deal with that. I'd have to find that. a way to sleep every night if I was known for this. But the idea that uh, these guys do that thing where they got the vinyl siding uh, on their house and they live in Cary, North Carolina or, you know, stand in for whatever suburb with the the Prius and and the, the two car garage, the straight teeth, the, 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 you know, the hair and everyone's in really good shape. The mom and mom runs triathlons and the dad does CrossFit and they vacation in Hawaii or Outer Banks or whatever it is. And that's the kind of shit that I would have looked at aspirationally. It's like, well, how do I get into that picture? Not right. realizing we well, need to be born into that. You can't like that's harder than ever to socially mobilize oneself into. And it's always facetious that you put this stuff out there as if you could have this too and it's like well yeah not exactly i'm not saying you can't but it's harder and harder things are becoming more expensive but also the gatekeepers are actively trying to keep people right. out especially now the, the, the american dream is far more elusive than it used to be hey jewish people i feel like we feel that more than anyone our great-grandparents came here with jack shit yeah we are the american dream and that my all eight of my great-grandparents came here with nothing yeah. fucking and look where we are now and we were we were lucky and we could pass and we had a lot of advantages that other groups didn't have. We did work hard as well. But that shit don't happen anymore. You get me some dirt farmer from Ukraine here now. Let's see how many generations it takes for them to 
live in a comfortable suburban house. It's designed for that guy to be on the outside. You're absolutely right. You know, the American dream is, I don't want to say gone, but definitely fading away. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's not up to me. I'm not even the best respondent to talk about it because, you know, I was born inside the club and have all this whatever i got the fucking membership what the hell do i know about how hard it is to punch from the outside i could just talk about what it looks like and it looks pretty fucking hard at the moment but it is pretty fucking hard since (laughs) since we brought up the devil uh and now he appears we're going to talk about the felonian scale jimmy fallon being the worst thing in the world next to ryan's world sort of the co-presidents of stupidity and lunacy on the scale uh of everything we've talked about in all of our topics on the show no where would you say the holderness family falls on the felonian scale the holderness family is almost exactly they are the very top of the bottom quadrile does that make sense yeah okay so if, if you divided all our topics up into four quarters yeah the Holderness family are the tippy top of the fourth quarter. They're the top of shit that sucks. I was going to say at the bottom of the third quartile, but it's pretty much mood. Okay. It's a mood point. Yeah, you know? Essentially the, the same in theory, right? It's that they are doing, like I say, they are the best of the YouTube crap. Although, you know, I come back to Mr. Beast, who, hey, I'm a boring guy, I talk like this. But you peel beneath the surface, he's very generous. Some of his ideas are very clever. It's just his his star power and his production values are shit. He's dead on his feet, yeah. Yeah, the Holderness are almost the inverse of that. The topics aren't that clever, although I, I make exceptions. That Down Under song impressed me. We should have Mr. Beast team up with the Holderness family. Mr. Beast's ideas, the Holderness family's star power and production values you might actually get something that is worth paying real money for and we should get i'd be curious we should get lana yeah. del rey to sing the songs we should gather a bunch of our topics and smush them together in a blender these people i it's really hard to get over the fact that i hate the art so much like i'm trying to be charitable and yeah, I, I think well, doing, no that's look that's what they're offering if you hate the art you hate the art i know I mean, but i could i could hate it if, if we talked about uh, some stuff some fucking guy who played classical harp right now you know it's like i don't think i could listen to that shit but i could at least say hey this that guy knows what he's doing it's like this is it's a, it's an estimable instrument, and this is a person who's put the uh, time into mastering it. I just can't stand the sound that comes out of it. Well, I think we've milked this thing for all we can do, Noah. That's about it. Well, will you ever watch a Holderness Family video ever again? No, I know. I think I, I drive a car into a ditch or a swamp before I turn in the direction of a Holderness Family song. It's just, just such an antithesis to what I consider something worth stuffing into your eardrum, you know? <laughs> uh, I love your passion, Bill. You care. You care, which is important in this world. I care enough to scorn the very best. You're not wrong about that. Yes, care enough to score. Anyway. All right. That's it. (laughs) That is it. That's probably the end of it forever, too. (laughs) Forever. If you'd like to find past episodes, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Uh, write to us, no one bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Right. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. Um, I, my video content's on YouTube, youtube.com slash AMCaesar. And I'm plugging something I did earlier in the week. Um, I was on a friend of the podcast, James Hancock's video channel, a, uh, a YouTube channel called Geeking Out with James Hancock. And we talked about a French film project that was just released on Shudder called Blood Machines, a product of the band Carpenter Brute, if you know anything about that. It might be a future topic if I can get Noah to, to talk about Really? That. Carpenter Brute? Yes. Uh, well, I have never heard of this. No, the, you, you, would, you wouldn't have heard about this. You wouldn't have heard about it. But nonetheless, that, that's, we did a 60-minute live stream. So if you're into, if any of those verbs or nouns sound interesting to you, by all means, look at Geeking at James Hancock. 
Uh, now, Noah will tell you a little bit about himself. I live, breathe, eat the big quiz thing. America's finest providers of corporate and private trivia events. Very busy right now with virtual events. Doing a lot of uh, team building, more important than ever. A lot of team building events, client appreciation. Uh, we're doing a lot of events for uh, like fancy office buildings or office, uh, no, residential buildings are hiring us to entertain and birthday parties. We have our first virtual bar bat mitzvah coming up and then hopefully soon we will return to the in-person events nationwide. Bigquizthing.com, social media at Bigquizthing. So until next time, uh, me and Noah will be doing uh, topical swipes of uh, Motley Crue and Iron Maiden songs for kids' audiences. Uh, but we, we, we still will not get it, though. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.